Well, I want to encourage you to grab your copy of God's Word this morning. Join me once again in the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20, as we continue walking our way through this series on the armor of God, as you see in your handout this morning or in the app, we are talking this morning about the shield of faith. The shield of faith, focusing in on verse 16 of Ephesians chapter 6 this morning. And as we prepare to do that, I want to ask you this question. Have you noticed that the older you get, for whatever reason, the less trusting you are? You ever notice that? You ever notice that? Let me just put this out for you. When I was a young child and a teenager, and maybe even into my 20s, I would go to the fair and I would ride the rides. The older I've gotten, you will not catch me on a ride at the fair. I don't trust them. I don't know if you've noticed as you've gotten older, though, that uh, there's a lot of things you don't necessarily trust as much. You go for a doctor visit, and they say, you know, we really need to run a few more tests. And you're thinking, I think they just want to cash out on me. I saw the Ferrari in the parking lot. I'm sure that's his. When you get change back as you purchase something from the store, I remember as a kid, I never counted it. I'm going to make sure every penny is there now. Isn't it interesting that our trust level, for whatever reason, the older we get, seems to diminish? And maybe that's why the Lord reminds us that it is childlike faith that we need. I want to read the text for us as we have the last number of weeks together. Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 10, going through verse 20, and then we'll zoom in this morning on verse 16. But this is God's Word. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Father, we ask this morning that you would open our eyes, that we would be able to see, 
that you would open our ears that we would be able to hear, and that you would open our hearts and our minds that we would be ready to respond to your word and to your spirit. We ask all of this in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. As we dive into the text this morning, specifically verse 16, I want you to write down this main idea that will frame our time together. It's this truth. Faith in the Lord is our foundational hope for protection in spiritual battle. Faith in the Lord is our foundational hope for protection in spiritual battle. Maybe here this morning, and you've not been with us as we've been making this journey through the armor of God, but I just want to remind you that God's Word paints a very clear picture for every single believer that we are engaged daily in a spiritual battle. There is a spiritual battle taking place all around us every second of every day. We are battling against Satan and his demons. We are seeking to pursue righteousness and faithfulness to the Lord, even in the midst of that battle. And for Paul, he wants us to recognize that if we are going to succeed in the battle, if we are going to stand and stand firm, we must put on the full armor of God. We've walked our way through the pieces of armor so far. We've talked about the belt of truth. We've talked about the breastplate of righteousness. We've talked about the gospel shoes of peace. And this morning, as we look at verse 16, we are going to unpack this shield of faith that is able to extinguish the flaming darts, Paul says, of the evil one. As we do that, I want us to answer four questions, the same four questions we've asked each week as we've looked at each piece of armor so far. Question number one. What was the purpose of the Roman soldier's shield? I want you to take just a moment and look at this picture. This is an actual picture of a Roman soldier's shield that was discovered in an archaeological dig. I want you to just take note. It's missing the center part, which would have been a piece of metal, most likely, that would have formed the center there. But if you look at this shield... What you'll recognize is that this shield is about two to two and a half feet in width. It's about four to four and a half feet tall. The interesting thing about the Romans is that they were not super tall people. And so this shield would have functioned very well for someone who was around five feet or so, which many of the soldiers were. This shield was crafted in such a way that even before plywood as we know it, this shield was made in that fashion. There were strips of wood that were cut, at least three, and were glued together. And that was what formed the main part of the shield. Oftentimes, it would have been trimmed out in some type of metal. There would have been metal at the front of it as well. And one of the interesting things is that many times they would actually cover the front of the shield with some type of leather so that when they were going into battle, they would be able to dip the shield in water and the flaming darts that we just heard about that would have been shot by the enemy forces would have actually truly been extinguished when they hit that 
leather that was dipped in water. The shield was a fascinating thing when you look at it. They would have painted it so that it would have represented the unit that they were a part of. And so when they were out in battle, if you were to look, you would be able to spot the various units of Roman soldiers based on the color of their shields that had been painted. In fact, it was one of the pieces of armor, as you think about what we've described so far, that if they were just in town, if they were not engaging in battle, they would have not had a shield of this type with them all the time. But when they were heading into battle, a Roman soldier would have not gone into battle without this shield. One of the first things I want you to recognize is that this shield provided total body protection for the individual soldier. So just imagine as they're engaged in battle, they have this shield. It was light enough because of its construction that they would have been able to carry it with one hand. And as they're engaging in battle, what you realize is that they would have been able not only to deflect any arrows or things that were shot towards them, but they would have also been able to use that shield as they were engaged in hand-to-hand combat as well. It's a wonderful piece of armor that they were able to use. But there's something even more special about this piece of armor, and you have to see this picture to truly understand it. Because this piece of armor, not only was it protection for the individual soldier, but I want you to look at this picture. The soldiers in a unit would have utilized these shields in this capacity as they were getting ready to head in to battle. As they were about to face the enemy, they would have gathered together and they would have formed, you ready for this? They called this the tortoise. Think about that. Think about a turtle. If you approach it, it immediately shrinks back into the shell that covers it, right, for protection. The same thing would have happened for the Roman soldiers. That shield was important individually as they're engaged in battle, but where it proved to be formidable was when they were gathered together and they formed the tortoise formation and the shield would have provided not only protection for the individual soldier, but community protection for a group of soldiers. It's a fascinating way in which these shields were used. Because as they were going in to take over a city, most of them had walls that were built around them, and there would have been archers that would have been at the top of these walls, and they would have been shooting arrows down into these groups of soldiers. And before they shot the arrow, they would have dipped the tip of the arrow into some type of tar and lit it on fire. And then they would have shot down into this group of soldiers. And so if they're spread out, It's very likely that this arrow that's being shot is going to hit someone or at least it's going to hit the ground around them and catch the ground on fire that's around these soldiers. But here's what's fascinating. When they formed the tortoise maneuver, 
The arrows would actually hit their shields and it would extinguish the arrows on the spot. And then they realized very quickly, the enemy did, that the only hope that they had now was to actually enter into hand-to-hand combat with these soldiers. And if you know anything about Roman history, they were amazing in hand-to-hand combat, and that's how they ultimately were able to succeed in battle. That was the purpose of the Roman soldier's shield. But here's question number two. It's a question we ask each week as well, because there's a connection made by Paul here between shield and faith. So let's define faith. What is faith? A simple definition, one that I think would be helpful for you, is this. It is complete trust or confidence in someone or something. Complete trust or confidence in someone or something. So let's think about it in terms of someone, complete trust. If you're a parent, there's been a point in your life where you've been in the pool and your child has been on the side of the pool and you're saying to them, jump in. I promise I'm going to what? Catch you. And they get close to the edge and then they back up, right? Mm, I don't know get close to the edge, and then they back up, and they're trying to figure out, do, do, do I trust you? Am I willing to not just say I trust you, but am I willing to jump from the safety of the side of the pool into your arms? That is complete trust or confidence in someone. I want you to think about it in relation to something. I promise there's not a person in this room, and if I'm wrong, you're lying, okay? There's not a person in this room that when you walked in and picked the seat that you were sitting in, that you thought, I wonder if this seat is going to hold me up. You didn't think about that, did you? Because you had complete trust and confidence that when you go to sit down, that chair, that something is going to hold your weight and you're not going to fall. So I want you to think about that as we talk about faith. It is complete trust or confidence in someone or something. It is belief, not just mentally, but that acts. Belief followed by action. It's not just saying, I believe. It's actually taking action to demonstrate that belief. That is faith. I want you to hear me this morning. Every single person, every single person has faith in someone or something. Every single person has faith in someone or something. When we look at Scripture, one of the things that we have to understand is that Scripture talks about saving faith. Saving faith. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 9. This is what Paul writes. For by grace you have been saved through, what church? Faith. 
And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. You see, when we talk about saving faith, faith that saves us from our sins and puts us in right relationship with our heavenly Father, we realize that it is complete and total trust and confidence in Jesus Christ alone and what he accomplished for us on the cross and through his resurrection that is our only hope for salvation. That is saving faith. In fact, on this Mother's Day, I think it's interesting that Paul in 2 Timothy verse, chapter 1, verses 4 through 5, speaks to Timothy about his sincere faith, and he describes it as a faith that once dwelled in his grandmother Lois and then his mother Eunice, and now Timothy, it's a faith that dwells in you as well. What's fascinating as we think about faith is that there is not a single person here that can transfer your faith to someone else. These parents that were here this morning can't give their personal faith in Jesus Christ to their kids. It is a personal decision that every single one of us must make. What will we do with Jesus? One of the beautiful things, as we talked about earlier, is that we have the opportunity as grandparents and parents to lift high who Jesus Christ is to our kids and to our grandkids, for them to see the authentic faith in Jesus Christ that we have, and for that to be the desire for their hearts as well. They have the privilege and the opportunity, not only personally, to be experiencing saving faith in our own lives, but to watch that in our kids and in our grandkids' lives as well. You may have come in this morning, and for you, this idea of saving faith is not something that you currently have. You've never come to the moment in your life where you've recognized you're a sinner in need of a Savior, and you've placed your total trust and confidence in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation. I want you to hear me this morning because it is worth you hearing the truth. You have faith in something or someone. There's conversations that I have often where people who don't have a relationship with Jesus will say certain things that demonstrate that they have faith in something or someone. In fact, I've heard comments like this before. Well, you know, I'm, I'm a good person. You ever heard that when you've tried to share the gospel with someone? The problem is God's word doesn't bear that out. But even more than that, what that person is saying is that I am trusting in my goodness to earn the favor of God. Basically, I have faith in myself that I can earn salvation through my good works. Problem is, you can't. You may have heard someone say something like this as well. Well, I don't believe that there's an afterlife. I don't believe that there's anything that comes after death. We die and then we just cease to exist, which again is not what God's word teaches. But I would just press back and say this. 
then you are trusting in yourself. You're trusting in what you believe. You say, well, I don't have faith in anything. No, you have faith in you. What God's word reminds us is this. The only faith that will save us from our sin is faith in Jesus Christ alone. And if you've never taken that step of trusting in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation, today is the perfect opportunity for you to take that step. But not only does Scripture talk about saving faith, it also talks about living faith. Living faith. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, following the verses that we saw just a minute ago, and I'd encourage you this week in your time with the Lord to spend time in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, and just soak in it and marinate in it. But following those verses about being saved by grace through faith, this is what Paul writes. For we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are saved for a purpose. In fact, as you look at Scripture, authentic saving faith is always a living, active faith. And that's what Paul is pressing in on as he talks about the shield of faith. In fact, Paul would write this in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by what, church? Faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Often we talk about saving faith as followers of Jesus, and that is vitally important. We need to understand what does it take to be forgiven of our sins and brought in to a right relationship with God, but we cannot divorce that from the fact that if we have authentic faith in Jesus Christ alone for salvation, it will be demonstrated in a living and active faith in our lives as followers of Jesus. And that is the purpose for which Paul is highlighting here this piece of armor. So question number three, why does he use shield of faith? Well, first, faith in the Lord provides personal protection from Satan's attack. And the second is true as well. Faith in the Lord provides corporate protection from Satan's attack. I want you to remind yourself this morning, if you're a follower of Jesus, that living faith, trust and total dependence in your life upon the Lord is the foundation for hope in the midst of of spiritual attack in your life. 
Because here's the thing that we are reminded of is that Satan is constantly shooting flaming arrows at us, spiritually speaking. And if we do not have the shield of faith, we are without a foundation for a hope of protection as he does that. And when you look at that, you say, okay, I, I kind of get what you're talking about, but, but can you like help me recognize and understand a little bit more? Have you ever been to the eye doctor and you sit down, I wear contacts and so I have to go in at least once a year and sit down in the chair and they put the, the I don't even know what those things are. I say goggles, but they're not goggles, but they put them on and, and the eye doctor is trying to figure out which one's better. You know what I'm talking about? I hate this, worst part of going, besides having your eyes dilated, right? We sit there and, and, and they flip it and they go, one or two? You're like, I don't know. <laughs> well, let's try that again, one or two? I guess two. Like two or three, I was like, I thought we were done, right? But what's fascinating is the eye doctor is trying to help us do something in that. Trying to help bring into focus our vision. You know what I was thinking about this week as I was prepping for this? That a soldier in the midst of battle, whether they are by themselves holding up the shield or whether they are locked arms together with others in the tortoise formation with their shields locked together. Here's what's fascinating. Do you know what they see in front of them when they're doing that? The shield. They're not seeing the battlefield. They're not seeing the enemy. They are focused solely on the shield that is in front of them. As a follower of Jesus, the opportunity we have in the midst of the battle that we are in every single day is to focus our vision solely on the Lord as we are engaged in battle. What do we see in front of us? It's the Lord. What do we see in front of us collectively as a body as we're engaged in battle? It is the Lord. He is the focus of our attention. He's the focus of our vision. And here's what's fascinating. Faith is only as good as the object that that faith is in. And hear me this morning. Faith is in the Lord Jesus is always sure. So here's the fourth question. How do we live this out? How do we daily think about taking up the shield of faith? How do we daily think about being able to enter into the spiritual battle that we are in day in and day out and be prepared either individually or collectively for the attack, the flaming darts, 
Paul says here of the evil one. Well, first, I want to encourage you to declare personally your total dependence on the Lord and then live it out. Declare personally, I want you to hear this, these words are there for a reason. Personally, declare, watch this, your total dependence on the Lord. And then live that out. You say, that sounds really good. Pastor, cookies on the bottom shelf, help me out. In your marriage, declare your total dependence on the Lord. Here's what's fascinating. Have you ever noticed you can't change your spouse? Some of y'all are laughing. Some of y'all are elbowing your spouse. You're like, I'm pastor about to preach, right? He's coming. But here's what's fascinating. God's word gives us a clear picture of what marriage should look like. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Wives, submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. That our marriages are a walking billboard of the gospel of Jesus Christ every single day that we draw breath as a married couple. And so as we are engaged day in and day out, you best be assured that Satan is going to do everything that he can to attack your marriage. That he is flinging arrows every single opportunity he can. How do you prepare for that? You declare your total dependence on the Lord. Husbands, you say, God, I, I don't know how truly to love my wife like Christ loved the church. That, that's like up here. But God, if you've called me to do that, I want to do that to the best of my ability with your strength at work within me. Wives, in the same way as you live with your husbands, It's the same thing. You look and say, God, this is what you've said should be true of our marriage, and I want to live that out through your power at work within me. The focus where we've zoomed in, what's capturing our hearts and our minds in this moment is the Lord, where we declare, God, I, I am totally dependent on you. Parents, as you're raising your kids, I don't know about you, but sometimes it's not easy. Amen? Sometimes it's not easy. And sometimes you look around at the culture around us, and they, the culture is saying something totally different if you're a follower of Jesus, of the way you should raise your kids. And, and it's difficult in the midst of that as we're walking through that. But here's where the shield of faith comes into play. We declare our total dependence. God, I am totally depending on you. I'm going to walk in obedience to you, my eyes fixed on you as I seek to raise my kids. You go into your job. It's the same thing. When we talk about sex and sexuality, it's the same thing. God, I am totally dependent and trusting on what you say. 
Which is fascinating that in the midst of that, when our focus is on the Lord, that is what Paul paints for us here, this picture of the shield of faith. Our dependence is on him. It doesn't mean that the arrows won't fly because they will. But we have trust and confidence totally in the Lord and what he's called us to do. We're willing to stand firm in the truth of what God has told us life should look like for us as followers of Jesus. We're unwilling to compromise in the midst of this culture in which we live that is begging every moment for you to compromise the truth of God's word and pursue whatever you want to pursue. But for us as followers of Jesus, we are focused in on the Lord. He is the shield of faith for us. And then as we think about that collectively, As a church family, we have the opportunity to declare collectively our total dependence on the Lord and then to live it out. Which if you think about it, here's what's the fascinating thing about Sunday mornings. It is a moment for us to do just that. I don't want to press it too far, but I've thought about changing what we talk about here to turtle time. Some of y'all are like, what? Remember the turtle formation tortoise? You're with me now? Because that's what this moment is for us, where we have the opportunity to fix our gaze and our eyes on the Lord totally, to sing praises to his name, to give generously, to pray, to encourage one another, to stir one another up to good works. We have the opportunity every week to be reminded of that before us so that we truly have the opportunity to lock shields together, to depend and declare it as we leave this place today, our total dependence is on the Lord. See, the truth is a church that does that, it changes everything about how we move forward. We think about a lot of the things that are coming up in the life of North River Church. We think about three services. I'm less concerned about three services and more concerned for us to focus our hearts and our minds totally on the Lord. We've got a building that we need to build, capital campaign coming forward. I'm less concerned about that than I am for us collectively as a church family to lock shields together so that our focus and attention is totally on the Lord. Because here's the thing. If our focus and attention is on that, it's on him and what he's called us to do. Here's what's fascinating. He can take care of the rest. He can take care of it. And then when things are tough, he's able to extinguish the arrows of the enemy that are flying at us if we are collectively together locking shields of faith and saying, God, we are totally dependent on you and you alone as we move forward. 
I want to ask you to bow your heads with me this morning. As our worship team makes their way back up, it's an opportunity for you simply to reflect on the truth of God's word and to respond this morning. Maybe your response is taking the step of placing your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for salvation. The first step for you is saving faith. That's the step that you need to take. We'd love to help you take that step. Our pastors will be down front in just a little bit as we sing. You can fill out a connection card and let us know of your desire to have a deeper conversation about what it means to trust in Jesus Christ totally for your salvation. Maybe you're already a follower of Jesus and What we're talking about this morning is living faith. Day in and day out. Declaring your total trust, your total dependence on the Lord. Maybe there's an area that we've highlighted this morning that the Lord is impressing on you. This is the area where you are struggling to declare your total dependence and trust on the Lord. I want to give you an opportunity in just a bit to respond to that. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. And we thank you for what you're doing in the life of North River Church. God, we ask that you would continue to fix our eyes on you. God, that we would depend and trust solely on you. God, work in our hearts right now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand as we sing? Our altar's open. Our pastors are down front.